Well, good morning. Welcome to Greenville First. If it's your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. Uh, my name's Josh. My wife, Brittany, and I serve as the lead pastors. And uh, Pastor Brian and I are going to have a conversation. Uh, I was not going to talk about college football at all today. There was a moment yesterday that I thought I could. And then, uh, yeah, it's good. All of you Clemson fans that were praying for NC State to miss all those field goals uh, kept praying that please don't let the Gamecocks win either. Uh, that would be... That would be great. Well, hey, we're so glad that you're with us today uh, as we are wrapping up our series at the movies. And, uh, and so this has been our 80s edition, and we do this at the beginning of every service. So if you have a canned soda, uh, you can open it on the count of three. One, two, and three. That's good. It's great. And I'm going to miss that. Maybe we should just, for all of you non-coffee drinkers, we'll just continue to offer free soda and popcorn. Uh, year-round. It's great. Wouldn't be mad. Wouldn't be mad at all. So we've been taking a dive into some of our favorite 80s movies over the past, uh, now the last two weeks, including today. And, uh, and so here, here's kind of how it, it, it looks, because my kids are even still confused, because I've got my youngest, who's in our four and fives class, they're not yet of age to participate without the movies. And then our oldest is over in elementary with Pastor Chris, and they're doing uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, so if you see a grown man dressed up like Willy Wonka today, it's because our kids participate. Uh, no, there's not some strange individual uh, that is walking our campus. Uh, I even had to get a picture. So we're pulling into the church this morning, and my youngest like starts to pout and he's and I'm like what's wrong and and he's like well I'm not old enough to watch movies at church yet <laughs> it's like son we don't watch movies at church Cohen's not watching movies at church we are just taking movies and seeing what we can what we can hear is God's voice speaking to us even through what Hollywood has done we believe that there's some biblical, some scriptural principles that we can look into some of our favorite movies and draw out. Even last week, uh, we hit on, on Top Gun, and, uh, and I had some people who said, Pastor, I, Top Gun's one of my favorite movies. I've watched Top Gun so many times, and I've never seen the redemptive point of Maverick in that movie of when he sought forgiveness in the restoration. And here's the challenge with all this. Week one, we hopped into Back to the Future. And how do we deal with our past to get us into where God wants us to be? And this is why we do this. It's not, it's actually a lot of work to cut movie clips and make Sundays happen during that, the movies. I'd much rather just not have to do all that, if I'm being honest with, with the 9 o'clock service this morning. But here's why we do it. Because I believe that God desires to speak to us in everything and in every way on a constant basis. And I think even those of us who would say, I've been a believer a long time, there are moments even in my own life where I, I just find myself stop, that I've stopped seeing God in the everyday. And I believe for, whether it's my kids, whether it's when I'm interacting with people at Chick-fil-A, wherever I find myself, God is there. And God is speaking to us. And so here's why we do that at the movies. So that everything you do, hopefully it's, 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 it's holy and pure, but everything you do, God can speak to you and he can work in and through you even in the movie theater. 
Now, some of you, actually, I, I don't think, um, if, if you wouldn't go to the movies, you're probably not coming to church this month. Um, but I remember there was a time I've heard about where people wouldn't go to the movies because they were afraid if Jesus came back that you'd miss the rapture. Um, some of you maybe grew up in those households or you've heard those stories as well. Uh, and I'm not saying go to the movie theater. I'm just saying look for God's activity in everything you do and everywhere you go. So today's movie hops into one of, uh, I would say, my favorite trilogies, but then they kept, they've kept adding movies. And, and here's, uh, I'm just going to say this. I think sometimes just stop at three. Uh, and it's just better that way because you're getting greedy and you're messing things up. But we're hopping into Indiana Jones, and today's movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Let's take a look at this trailer. Indy, your father, they have them. Dad found out more than he was looking for. Junior? Don't call me that, please. I want you to find the grail. I've heard this bedtime story before. Eternal life, Dr. Jones. The gift of youth to whoever drinks from the grail. After you, Junior. This is intolerable! No ticket. Archaeology? <laughs> are you crazy? Don't go between them! Go between them! Are you crazy? Archer! Hang on! Quick! Under it! You know, sharing your adventures is an interesting experience. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. If you have not watched it, it's um, it's wonderful. It's uh, it's probably uh, my favorite of the three, but maybe you're partial to a, a different one in the trilogy, and I'll forgive you for that. I enjoy them all, um, but here we find, if you're not familiar with the story and what's happening, is Indiana Jones is this archaeologist that continues to find himself on adventure after adventure. After adventure, and this specific movie has to deal with uh, his search for the Holy Grail or the cup of which Jesus would have partaken from at the Last Supper. Yet there's an interesting component because his father has been on the quest for the Holy Grail his entire life, and so his father's gone and done studies, and he's on this treasure hunt and he's trying to find the Holy Grail. And all of a sudden, uh, Indy is reached out to and says, "Hey, we want you to go find the Holy Grail." Uh, and by the way, your father's missing in his pursuit. And so if you want to find your father, you've got to go on this treasure hunt as well. And then we see he's battling the protectors of the grail. He's battling the Nazis who are after it uh, for the sake of power. And, uh, and Indiana Jones and uh, his father uh, are on this, this quest, this journey. And here's where we connect to the story today 
is that for all of us in the room, regardless of, of how long we've been a believer, maybe we're not a believer, maybe we're curious, maybe, maybe we've wandered a little bit, regardless of where we find ourselves on our journey of life, we are all on a search for something. Now, some of us may not realize what that is, but we're on that search, the quest, and I believe it's for the fullness of life. Because who doesn't want a full life? Who doesn't want a life that's not searching anymore, that's not longing, that's not wandering? I think within us, regardless of where we find ourselves today, there's something in us that's on this search for fullness because God created us that way. He actually created us to be full of Him. And then sin steps into the world and begins to shatter that and compromise that. And here's the problem, because while we're all on this search for something, we can all be guilty of searching in the wrong places. We search, but we come up empty. We keep chasing after something. And even after we think we find it, we're still lacking. It's because we're searching for meaning in other places. We ask them to give us life, whether it's someone, something, somewhere, And here's what the quest begins to be when this is the story of our life, is we're searching for water in the middle of the desert. We're searching for something that will fill us up in a place that is not producing life. See, humans are hardwired for significance because God, when he created Adam and Eve, he created them with the idea that they would live forever. He did not create them to experience death and pain and suffering. He created them to walk in fellowship and fullness of life with him. That's God's plan from the beginning. That's the way he orchestrated it. We were made for God. We were made to enjoy him forever, but sin compromises that. We all sin. We all fall short. We reject God at times. Some of us for short periods, some of us for long periods. But we reject God who is the very giver of life. So here's where we find ourselves that our desires have been distorted. We try, but we keep searching for more. We keep searching for better. We keep searching for different. But for all of us in the room, all of us who are joining online today, we are on a quest for something. We're in this adventure of our lives, and it may not look like Indiana Jones and running from Nazis and and, and seeing planes blow up and motorcycles flip and knocking people out out of blimps. That may not be the picture of our life, but we're all on this quest and we're all on this journey. The bottom line is this. We're all in search for fullness of life. We want to experience joy. We want to experience significance. We want to experience fulfillment. And the only one who can bring this life to us is Jesus. Because it's found in him. Paul writes this in, in, uh, in Philippians. And it's interesting. We didn't intend it to be this way. Or I could tell you, we purposefully did this. Uh, but we've been in Philippians kind of working backwards in the entire at the movies. We started in chapter 3 with Back to the Future. We hit chapter 2 last week with Top Gun. And today we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, reading through the New Living Translation. And Paul writes this. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. 
And this is key. For I want you to understand what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So how do we discover, how do we live this full life that's found in Jesus The first point this morning that we're going to look at is the purpose of our life is to bring God glory. The purpose of our life is to bring God glory. Why does that matter if I'm living a full life? It's because we have to know why we were created. We have to understand why we were wired the way we do. Why do we have this thing called growth track that we encourage all of our people to step through? Because it's not just why am I on this earth in a a general sense. I believe that we have to drill down to who God created us to be, to function in community as a church. Because the more we're aware of why we are created and how we're wired, I think the better representation of God that we can be. We have to ask this question. If we're created, if our life's purpose is to reflect God's glory, what is God's glory? That can be a real churchy term. Well, glory to God. Well, what does that even mean? Can I tell you, glory can be a very hard thing to put words to. The Hebrew word for glory was used in everyday language to describe one's importance and greatness. So simply, the purpose of our life is that others would see how important and how great God is. Paul gives us this cycle here. He says, I want you to love more and more. I want you to grow in knowledge. I want you to live pure. I want you to be filled with fruit. This brings glory to God, and this is the purpose of your life. I want us to take a look at this first clip this morning. All right, where's my father? If you let me go, I will tell you where he is. Who are you? My name is Kazuma. And why were you trying to kill me? The secret of the grail has been safe for a thousand years, and for all that time, Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword have been prepared to do anything to keep it safe. Let me off at this gentleman. Ask yourself, why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory or for yours? Why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for your glory or is it for his? When I was watching the movie back, these words just rang to me. Is it for your glory or is it for his? Because I believe even in church circles, one of the greatest traps that we can ever fall into is that we begin to do things in our life for our glory and not for his. But that was not how God created it to be. That's not God's intent. That's not God's plan for us. We see in Isaiah 47, 7, he says, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, because God created us in his image. To be image bearers, we're supposed to carry the very image of God into this world to bring him glory. As I was studying, I I, I found one author had, had compared our life 
to the image of a mirror. One, that this is how God created us. Ooh, and it's even reflecting light, even better. Look, I got a little balcony up there. I see you all. I see you, Pastor Brent. As my kids know you. But here's how God created us to be a mirror, angled at about 45 degrees, so that his image would reflect off of our life to bring light into the world. Not to be this way, not to be this way, but this is exactly what sin did. Sin flipped the mirror on the other side. And here's what happens when the mirror flips on the other side. The mirror no longer is reflecting light, but it's casting a shadow. And when I read this in my study, I just, I, I, I paused because there was this great image. How many times has our life been flipped upside down to where we begin to cast a shadow on the world around us versus reflecting light in which God created and intended for our life to be? We've got to begin to answer this question. What is my life for? Is it for my glory or is it for the glory of God? Because the purpose, the reason God created us is to be image bearers that we would reflect his image to the world. That we would reflect God's glory. That our life would shine so bright that people would see the incredible nature of who God is. That they would begin to see the characteristics of God flowing through us. And this may be hard for you to grasp because here's what sin constantly does. Sin constantly flips our mirror and casts shadows. But redemption, when we get our life and we say, Jesus, I am yours, he flips the mirror back around. And there are times and there are struggles in our life where we just keep feeling this tension and we keep wanting to go back to the shadow that's, that's probably easier. We don't have to deal with, oh, am I too bright for that person's eyes? Or am I shining it in the wrong direction? Or am I going to offend somebody? Because I, I could, I could probably angle this light and you're like, stop it, pastor. Can you just put that stupid mirror down? But I want you to hear today that this is the purpose of why we were created, so that other people could see the greatness of God. When that mirror flips upside down, they don't see anything but a dull image and a shadow that's cast. And I think that there are far too many people that say, I'm a believer, I love Jesus, and yet they're walking around reflecting nothing of which God intended and casting a shadow on others. Then there are people who are lost and wandering and don't realize what's on the other side of the mirror. Because maybe your life has, has been beat up and it's been discouraged and it's been broken and you've just walked around and you feel like the normal side of your life is to be dull and to cast shadows. But God says, wait a second. If you'll give me your life, I created you to be a bearer of my image and all your brokenness where you feel like there's no hope, I created you to reflect my glory. So everything the world may tell you, everything you may think about your life, I'm the only one that can redeem you. I'm the only one that can bring fullness to your life. See, here's what I know. I have two boys. Jensen is our youngest. Cohen's our oldest. Our youngest, I hear it constantly. He is your spitting image. He is just like you. You're raising yourself. I mean, all these things have been declared and over, over my life and my son. And then I begin to wonder sometimes, 
Is it his bad characteristics that they see, or is it the great characteristics? Because that vastly changes how we view the image of our children. See, with God, there's, if there's any bad reflection, it's on us, it's not on him. See, I think sometimes it's easy for us to chalk bad reflections. Well, I don't know. That God, <laughs> I don't know. If it's a bad reflection, it's us. It's not him. Because see, God, when we give our life to Jesus, when we, when we ask for forgiveness, when his cleansing power covers us, it not only flips the mirror, but it also cleans it up. See, I think sometimes maybe our mirror is not on the dull side. It's on the right side. We've just let so much dust because we haven't, we haven't gotten a good cleanup. Now, I don't know what the mirrors in your house look like, but they probably need a good dusting every now and again. They probably need a little Windex on there to get and be the pure reflection because if there's smudges all over your mirror, we got a rule in our house, don't touch glass. I didn't set that rule. Somebody else did. But here's why. Because smudges will distort the reason that it was created. Some glass was meant to be seen through and some glass was meant to reflect. Our life is meant to reflect and we need a good cleanup to make sure that we're a pure reflection of the glory of God. So that our life would begin to reflect His goodness. At a basic level, we were created to show the world how precious and how satisfying God is. But here's the problem. If people look at our lives and see only self-absorption, if they see a boring and a dull walk with Jesus, why would anybody want what is being reflected through our life? I think we all need to ask ourselves the question, what is the reflection of my life? And do people want what I have? Because if they don't, I'd probably be convinced that your mirror has been flipped over. It's a little too dusty. So I want you to ask yourself this question because if this is our purpose, that we, our life would bring glory and honor to God, then we have to ask this question. I feel like that Paul really lays it out here and, and we got to ask, am I loving more? That was, that was our, our theme for last year, that we would love more. Am I loving more the way God created me to love? Am I growing in knowledge? You may be like, Pastor, I, I graduated high school a long time ago, or I finished college. I don't learn. I'm stupid. Can I tell you, God created you. So you know what? I believe he speaks to us on every intellectual level that we could find ourselves on. It doesn't matter how simple or how brilliant we may be, God can still speak to us, and he can still be reflected through our life. But are we growing in the knowledge of him? Are we living pure? Are we living pure? Are we allowing the temptation of this world? Are we allowing the things that corrupt and distort our desires? Is that is what covered our life? Because we'll never reflect God's glory if we can't live a pure life. And then lastly, are we filled with fruit? Because that's what Jesus talks about, that we'll be known by our fruit. Well, all he's saying is you'll be image bearers of the creator of the universe. 
You'll continue to carry on my image, and they will know you by your fruit. So if you're producing bad fruit, you're dull. If you're producing good fruit, you're a good reflection of what God has intended and created you to be. So I want you to ask yourself those questions, because this is your purpose. And anything short of being an image bearer of God is going to keep you searching, it's going to keep you hunting, it's going to keep you wandering, and not the hunting of where you're going and killing deer and all that stuff. Y'all keep on hunting, that's fine. It's going to keep you hunting in life. You're going to keep looking for water in a desert, and it's not the way God intended. The second thing is this, and before you like gasp, let me at least walk us through this point. That I believe God's word is more than a map to a destination. See, verses 9 and 10, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So we got to ask ourselves the question, how do we do these things? And I want us to take a look at this second clip, and then we'll talk about it. We're going the wrong way. We have to get to Berlin. Brody's this way. My diary's in Berlin. We don't need the diary, Dad. Marcus has the map. There is more in the diary than just the map. All right, Dad. Tell me. Well, he who finds the grail must face the final challenge. What final challenge? Three devices of such lethal kind. Booby traps? Oh, yes. But I found the clues that will safely take us through in the Chronicles of St. Anselm. Well, what are they? Can't you remember? I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. Half the German army's on our tail, and you want me to go to Berlin? Into the lion's den? Yes, the only thing that matters is the grave. The diary's more than just a map. In the same way, I believe that God's word is more than just a map to a destination, and here's what I mean. It's more than just a map to get to heaven. I don't think that God intends for our life just to sneak into eternity. I don't believe that that's the way that God laid it out. Because if so, God would have given us a few scriptures that said, hey, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. See, there are a few verses that give us some clear direction of how we can spend eternity with God. Yet God gives us so much more than that. You know why? Because God just doesn't want us to arrive at a destination. God intends for us to live a full life, full of his joy, full of his fruit, full of his spirit. And we cannot look at God's word at just the map to a final destination. It's the guidebook to our life. See, if we're a Christ follower, we should stress the importance of reading the Bible, but here's the problem I think that many of us get to. It's hard to read our Bible on a daily basis if we view it as something that it's not. See, I think there can be oftentimes this moment where we say, if we read the Bible 
on a, on a consistent basis. God will be pleased with me, and therefore I can accept his blessing. But here's what I need you to understand, because that's where, that's where our, our natural can, can slide to. If I read the Bible, God's a happy, he's a happy dad, and he looks on me with approval, and then I can receive his blessing. But can I tell you, he gave us his word to be the blessing. God doesn't need us to read it in order to accomplish and check some boxes so that we can receive his blessing because he already provided the blessing for us. That's because it's more than just, hey, how do you get to heaven? It's how do we love our neighbor? It's how do we live our life? It's how do we have a, 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 a home that has Christ at the center? How do we manage our finances? How do we work hard? How do we have wisdom? How do we continue to pursue God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul? It's all right here. How do we, how do we rebound when our life has been broken? How do we come back to God when we've made mistakes? Every single bit of God's word is a guidebook to our life. It's more than just a map to heaven. See, I love the psalmist says this. He says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's more than God, thank you for your word so that I can get to heaven. It's God, I need your word every day of my life because the battles and the wars that I'm facing, I can't do it by myself. And thank God that he loves us so much that he gave his word for us. That he cared about us enough and knew how much that we would struggle and walk through that he's put it on pages. See, Dr. Jones Sr. knew that there was more in his diary than just a map to the Holy Grail. He knew that it was a guide piece for whoever was going to discover the grail. Whatever they were searching for, that grail, that eternal life, that it was going to get them there. It was a guidebook. From Genesis to Revelation, God's word, his deeds reveal God himself for our knowledge and our enjoyment. Can I tell you that God's not interested in us reading our Bible as some type of ritual? He wants us to read the Bible so we'll see him. God wants us to see his glory again and again and again so that we can reflect his glory. So that we can be image bearers. See, I, I, I also I wrote this in my notes that God wants our hearts in Bible reading, not just the attention of our minds. And here's what I mean by this. As important as seeing God's glory is, it's not enough. God wants us to see his glory, but he also wants us to savor his glory. See, spending time in God's word is not always easy, but I, I, I need you to track with me because you're like, what is the difference between seeing and savoring? I, I'm really confused. I want you to think about it this way. If you grill me like a little sirloin, we're having dinner, we go to a restaurant, we order a sirloin, that's great. We go to Hall's Chop House downtown and I get like a bone-in filet. I'm eating that at different speeds. Because one is for the nourishment so that I can continue to survive another day. 
The other I learned to savor. Because there is something that has been done. There has been thoughtfulness from the butcher cutting the meat to the, to the preparation, the aging of the steak, to the preparation before it hits the grill and, and the accompaniments and the sauces that come with it. Why? Because it was intended to savor, not just to satisfy. And I think in the same way, this is the way that, that God is amongst the pages of his word. Do I think that daily Bible reading plans of where you read through the, the Bible in a year is great? Yes, but if all you're doing is with your mind and not with your heart, you're missing God. If all you're doing is checking a box so that you can say, well, Pastor, I read my Bible every day. Well, great. Would you continue to set an example? Because there's generations that are following that need to realize just how important it is to spend time with God. But it may, may it not be a ritual and may it become a, a lifeline to us that we would savor the goodness of God. There are times that I just have to go through the book of Psalms and just read some Psalms and soak. And that may sound real weird for you today. You're like, what does it mean to soak in the Bible? But can I tell you, it's just spending time with God. Think about it is that whatever your favorite meal on the planet is, and maybe you haven't had it in a long time, but there's just something different about the pace of just saying, God, I just want, I just want to savor you. I don't just want to see you. I, I need you. I need to be the best reflection I can be of you, and I'm only going to be able to do that if I really understand what it's like to experience your presence. See, yesterday we had a funeral here for... Sister Betty, who her and Pastor Owen served as pastors here for 37 years. They were and still are my pastors. They paved the way for Brittany and I to get to lead this great church and do what we get to do because of their sacrifice and their obedience. And yet I heard my pastor stand on this stage yesterday and talk about the peace that he is, he's, he's never experienced a peace like that before. Well, where is it? It's because he's been savoring his time with God. And he knew that God is the God of all peace. And when we, when we soak in God, he brings the peace that we need that we don't even know what. We don't know the answer. We don't know how to, how to speak it. We don't know how to put words to it. But when we soak and we savor who God is, it's more than just checking a box. See, when we spend and savor time with God, it's a place of refreshing. It's a place of correction. It's a place of communion and fellowship with God. So we talked earlier about how we're all in this search for something. And the first place I believe to begin is God's word. I want to challenge you. I don't know what you're, you may not have picked up your Bible in years. You may have never had a Bible. We've got free ones for you. We can also show you how to download this great thing called the Bible app. You may have never had a consistency in reading Scripture. And I think so many times it's because we feel like it's homework. And you know what? Sometimes we do have to just continue to repeat and repeat and repeat so that we get in a rhythm and a routine. But let it never be in the rhythm and routine of where we feel like we've got to do this to please God. God loves us anyways. We are missing out on savoring who he is when we choose not to pick this up. We're missing out. God's not looking and saying, hey, child, if you don't read the Bible every day, you're going to go to hell. 
No, but I think when we truly begin to look into who God is and who he created us to be, we have no option but to say, God, I need more time with you. I need to savor who you are because look at the mess I make of my life. But with you, all things are possible. With you, I can experience peace. With you, there is hope. And we only get that when we will savor and spend time with our Creator. The third thing this morning is this, is that obedience and faith are essential to living a significant life. See, Paul wrote in verse 11, he said, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I believe this happens when we choose to have a life of faith and a life of obedience. Let's take a look at this last clip. Second challenge of the word of God. Footsteps of God will he proceed.
here we find in that fourth clip, he had all the tools. He had every bit of information that he needed, but he had to take the step. It was more than just knowledge at this moment. It was having faith and taking a step of faith. See, I believe this, that you can have all the knowledge in the world, and if you never do anything with it, what good is it? You can have all the knowledge. You can sit in church every single week. You can have all the knowledge of who God is, who Jesus is. And if we never choose to make that the central part of our life, what good is it to us and to the world around us? See, I believe that God's calling us to live a life of obedience and a life of faith. Matthew 14 tells this story that a lot of people are probably familiar with, but it's this image that we have that Peter's in the boat with the disciples and Jesus is standing on the water and says, Peter, come. He says, Peter hops out of the boat. Why? Because he's obedient and he takes a step of faith. But in that moment... I can vividly just picture this. The waves are moving and Peter, he moves his eyes off of Jesus. And what begins to happen? He begins to sink. Yet it's the hand of a Savior that reaches down and grabs him. Now, Peter and the disciples are chastised several times through Scripture. Oh, you of little faith. But here's the thing I love about Jesus. Is that even when we doubt, even when we struggle, even when we're, oh, little faith, he loves to rescue us from the abyss of this life. The things of this world that try to... To, to grab hold of our life, that try to pull us down, that try to drown us. And Jesus is not just extending his hand to Peter, he's extending his hand to us. That we would be children of obedience and faith. See, I don't believe that these things are separate. I don't believe you can choose one over the other. Because what does that look like? If faith is trusting and believing... And obedience is following and doing what's asked. How, how can we be obedient and not trust? Or how can we say that we trust God and not be obedient? This is the key to living a significant life. That we would make a decision for ourselves that yes, I will say yes to Jesus. Not just for a moment to get me to heaven, but for a life of significance and fullness of joy and fullness of life. Because that's the way God created and intended for it to be. That we would be obedient, that we would have faith. See, a significant life is one that's fulfilled by Jesus. There's no job, there's no amount of money, there's no size of family, there's no status, there's no influence, there's no possessions that we can acquire that replaces the fulfillment we can find in Jesus. Can I tell you, 
We live in a world that's constantly searching. In the churches around the world, people are constantly searching. We're wandering, we're searching, we're fighting. We want better, we want new, we want this, we want that. And it all comes down to if we really want our life to be significant, if we really want our life to be fulfilled, if we really want this life to be the definition that God intended for our life to be, then we have to recognize that we were created to reflect His glory. That it's not just about checking a box, it's about spending time with the creator of the universe. Things that, it's hard to even put words to that because if I didn't grow up in church, spending time with the creator of the universe, what is this even, I gotta like board a rocket ship and go somewhere and, no, his word is for us today. And tomorrow, and next week, and next month, and our highs, and our lows, and everything in between. Because it's a guide for our life. It's a guide for our thoughts. It's a guide for our heart. It's a guide for our feet. And then ultimately that we would embrace a life of faith and obedience. See, Jesus loves to save those of little faith. And I believe that if you're here today and you're not walking in a relationship with him, he wants to save you today. Right where you are. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. Because this is the most important moment of anything you will ever do in your life. If you have not said yes to Jesus yet, today is the day. You didn't stumble here by accident. You didn't arrive here just because. No, God brought you here to remind you of why he created you. And as broken as your life may seem or may have seemed, he gave his son for you. So that you don't have to be separated. So that you can live a full life the way he intended. So that you can spend eternity with him. So that we can be obedient, we can be full of faith. So if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I I don't have a relationship. Or I've been living with my mirror casting shadows and it's time to get it flipped over. And you just say, today I need to say yes to Jesus. My life needs to be clean. I need to get back to where I'm supposed to be. It's just a simple yes to Jesus. So I'm going to invite you, if you're here today and you say, hey, I need to make that decision. Will you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking. Online, you can... Mark it in the chat. You just say, hey, Pastor, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus today. The balcony, the floor. Hey, can we just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, forgive me. Clean my life. Forgive me my sins, my mistakes. Help me to follow you. Help me to enjoy you. Not just to check a box, but for my life. I give it to you today. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey, can we celebrate those that made a decision to follow Jesus today?
Now, whether you're joining us online or you're here, we've got an easy next step for you. There's a number at the bottom of the screen or the screen behind me. It's just a number you text and you text next steps or made new, I'm sorry, made new to the number on the screen. And we'll provide you with some resources on your next steps. Or you can stop by one of our connection centers in the lobby or the courtyard. We've got a resource for you. It's how do you follow Jesus? Made a decision. Now what's next? Because our mission as a church is to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be.